Good morning, everyone. Good to see you and good to also be with you who are on vacation, uh, wherever you are and, and you're still looking in. Those of you who are, are bound to your home for various reasons, uh, good to have you here too. And those of you who are uh, just wanting to be part of, of this very fellowship, we're glad for everyone to participate and to be here. And we do, uh, enjoy being together, do we not? Yes. It's an important thing. We're in the midst of a series, uh, on prayer, and um, we kind of been in that for a while, and we looked at different people, and today we're going to look at Daniel, and and maybe I can begin by this, simply saying, uh, it is important that we are praying people. It is important that we are a praying church, Yes. It is essential that we are part of a praying community uh, because that impacts our very culture, the way we do and think about things. It's just reality. You say, well, yeah, it is. You hang out with people that eat out a lot. What's going to happen after a while? You're going to increase the amount of times you eat out. You eat out, hang out with people who never eat out. You know, you're going to kind of lower that, right? Yes? You hang out with people that watch movies all the time. What's going to happen after a while? You guess you hang out with people that are very, very well dressed all the time. It doesn't take you long or the opposite. It's just how it works. So you hang out with people that pray a lot. And what's going to happen? You begin to consider praying in a different way. It's just how it works. There's an old Danish proverb that says, uh, just tell me who you surround yourself with, right? It's been updated. Tell me who you hang with and I'll tell you who you are. If you go to the book of Proverbs, it puts it like this way. The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. We need to be part of a praying community. That's essential because that impacts our own culture and the way we live ourselves. So if you have your Bibles, I want to read with you a text today from Daniel, the book of Daniel. Um, you're not quite sure where that is? Look in the preface. That's the biggest the table of content, right? You're in the Old Testament still. You go through some of these longer books, right? And you get to Daniel, right? So, so chapter 9 in the book of Daniel. I'm reading the first uh, seven verses, so, and then I'm jumping to verse 17 and read a few verses at that time. In the first year of Darius, the son of uh, Hasuerus, a Mede by birth, who was made king over the Chaldean kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I... Daniel understood from the books, according to the word of the Lord, to the prophet Jeremiah, that the number of years for desolation of Jerusalem would be 70. So I turned my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and petitions with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, O Lord, 
the great and awe-inspiring God who keeps his gracious covenant with those who love him and who keeps his commandments. We have sinned. We've done wrong, acted wickedly, rebelled, and turned away from uh, your commands and ordinances. We have not listened to your servant, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, the leaders, the fathers, and the people of the land. Lord, righteousness belongs to you. Hang with that and then turn to verse 17. Therefore, our God, hear the prayer and the petitions of your servant. May your face shine on your desolate sanctuary for the Lord's sake. Listen closely, my God, and hear. Open your ears and see our desolations and the city that bears your name. For we are not presenting our petitions before you based on our righteous acts, but based on your abundant compassions. Lord, hear. Lord, forgive. Lord, listen and act. My God, for your own sake, don't delay, because your city and your people bear your name. Now, when it comes to prayer in Scripture, we have seen also in previous Sundays, and if you have not had a chance to be here or to listen, I will encourage you to go back, and you can find us either on, either on the website or on our YouTube channel, and listen to some of these uh, sermons on prayer and see the connections between it. Much of what we had dealt with had been uh, kind of on the phrase, and the Lord said to Abraham or said to Jacob and so on. And so sometimes there are people who struggle with that. They say, well, I don't necessarily hear God in in that kind of way. I don't have visions like that. And it's just different from me. So I, I sense that I can't quite connect. And then we get to Daniel. Maybe this is there just for you then, right? How's that? It seems something that, that is is much more akin to the way many of us might experience God's word and God's communication, if you will. Uh, look at verse 2. I, Daniel, I read and I perceived or I understood and it just captured me. I was arrested by the word of the Lord. That's kind of what is in this phrase. I understood from the scrolls or from the books, right? According to the word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah. So when I sat and I was reading and, and my mind was arrested by that word that I read in God's word, a deep desire to pray arose in my heart and in my soul. Now in some way or another, that sounds different. It feels different from when we hear other phrases that just says, well, the Lord said to, and then a name that follows like that. But... There's no actual essential distinction or difference between the prayers of someone like Daniel here or the others that we have have dealt with. It's the same God who has the same desire for us and for his people to seek his will, understand what he's about, and to be part of his work. Same desire. In fact... When we start reflecting on this, 
the way God communicates, we may find it much easier, as I always kind of hinted, uh, to, to understand this moment. God speaking and expressing his clear desire, who he is, his desire to be present in our lives. It looks like something we could experience when we sat with God's word. Think of it with me for a moment. And I don't want you to mishear this. But a vision or a great spiritual experience, if you will, always has a certain element of subjectivity. It's just how it works. Is it not? It's my experience. It's something I heard God speak to me. It is, it is an event that made a difference in my life. And that's good. We want that. We want more of that. So don't mishear that. But pure subjectivity in this is mine is always somewhat suspect, at least at, at some levels. That there's always a way in which this turns into a memory and we hear people express uh, great experiences in past times. And, and as time goes and they have reflected on that, the meaning grows deeper and, and it becomes this, this event that we remember. And as we have reflected on it so long, and I have experiences like that in my own life, that I'm not really sure what I actually experience or what is just my own reflection on it. Yes? Can you respond or can you, right? Yes. So we know that is the case. What really was the experience? What was the meaning of it? Has that grown as I grow older and I understand more and understand different? Would I have heard the same thing? Is it not much stronger when you look right here in a text like this and we hear God's Voice God's words from his own unchangeable word. There's no real uncertainty about whether this is purely subjective or not. We are placed on God's solid rock, so to speak, yes? In fact, we have songs about that. On Christ's solid rock I stand. All the other ground is sinking sand. We see this. And that's so strong that even Jesus, he's talking uh, and, and giving a parable about a rich man and a poor man called Lazarus. And, and he ends his whole uh, parable uh, by, by saying that the rich man is crying out from Hades and say, well, send someone to my family to tell them that they need to turn to God. And then Jesus says, don't they have the scrolls? Moses and the prophets. If they don't believe them, they're not going to believe even if someone came back from the death. There's something strong and powerful when we see a prayer rise the way it arose in Daniel's heart right here. So just like him, we have God's Word that through the power and the illumination uh, of of the Holy Spirit will be made alive, and that alive to such a degree 
that we can see right here that I, Daniel, now understood. I perceived it in a way that I hadn't seen it before. It kind of wrapped itself around my mind. So I had to kind of consider it and it thrusted him in a deep prayer with God. It would not let him go. And friends, it's that kind of tension between, you know, what he read and what he experienced that created this kind of surrendering, open-hearted prayer of Daniel. You know, think about it just for a moment. I, I was always try to get into the story like this when you read anything like this in Scripture. It's so easy just to read Bible it disappears, right? So we read. And it says something about 70 years. Well, whatever. Yes? In fact, I used to put that when I taught undergraduate. How long was God's people in captivity in Babylon? Seven, seventy, seven thousand. Just as many had seven thousand as had seven as had seventy. It's just, you know, a number. And we could have skated over that. There's so many things in Scripture that might be hard to kind of understand. It might be uh, so difficult for, for us to kind of connect and see, well, God's promises here and, and all that. How does that come into fulfillment? So we just don't let it shake our souls when we see this is what God describes to be the life with him. And this is what I experience. And so... Why should the distinction or the tension between the two forces on our knees and, and cry out to God? And that may not be a bad question really to ask. But Daniel, it was not that hard. His prayer was built on, and this is the title for what we're saying today, by a prayer that trusts the faithfulness of God, like we just sang about it also. A prayer that trusts the faithfulness of God. Daniel was beside himself. He, he, he could not understand it. There was one thing that he knew from in his gut, from the bottom of his heart. It was that God's faithfulness could be trusted. That God was unassailable in the faithfulness and the trustworthiness of his promises. God would never. Pull back on what he had promised. So the question arose in, in Daniel's heart said, so what's going on? Is there something going on with, with me? Why is it that, that we sometimes read about these people in Scripture and we think they don't go through quite what we are? They're on this pedestal and they have a special relationship with God. No, they just like you and me. They're not on the pedestal. They're not. They, they have regular lives, regular struggles, good days, bad days, difficult days. But for him, there was something going on. And he had to. He had to figure out about this tension between what he knew to be true about God and, and what he experienced is in, so, in his own life. And it's not necessarily that hard to understand you know we we kind of know it intuitively do we not it's not just ephemeral or some kind of a fluky stuff think of this we know that god tells us in his word again and repeatedly and all over the place 
that we are to forgive our neighbors. Yes? We agree with that, don't we? Isn't that what Christian faith is all about? We need to forgive people. Yes? And then we start thinking about joy and Jill and Paul and Peter and Sue and whatever their names might be. And we say, I know and I hold that to be true, but, you know, I can't forgive them. It's tough. I, you know, they said too many things. They've been too hard against me. They, they, you know, I know they don't. I can't. And then we get branded still when, when we know and we see in Scripture and it's repeated again, again, that again, God, just like God forgave you, you should forgive one another. We see that, and there's a tension between the two, and that is what calls forth that prayer in Daniel's life. Or about the testimony that we, we know, and, and the Bible speaks again about it all the time. You shall become my witnesses. And here's this person we talked about, and we know in our heart, here's a chance to share great news about Jesus Christ that will speak directly to her to his life. Here's this situation where we're sharing what God can do in a person's life would truly have been transforming. I could be faithful, but it was just too hard. And then we hear and we remember in the back of our heads the tension between our reaction and Jesus when he says, He who confesses me before men, I will confess before my Father. When the Spirit comes upon you, you shall become my witnesses. The lesson we learn, friends, for in Daniel's school of prayer is that we, when we experience the tension between the word of Scripture and our own situation, we shouldn't run away from it. We shouldn't just skate over it like it didn't matter. And instead, take that energy that is always involved in tension. And let it be transformed into prayer. A deep prayer. A prayer who has the purpose or which has the purpose of changing the way we think and respond when we hear from God. You know, going back in history a little bit, it would have been easy as nothing for Daniel not to care. You know, he was far away from Jerusalem and all the pain that was there. He was in Babylon. He was doing pretty well at this time. Far away. But never even for a flicker of a second did it occur to him that he would turn his prayer into just kind of religious ceremony, expressing the right words without being willing to pay the right price. Daniel knew what it meant to be there. He'd been schooled in Chaldean thought. He was trained to think like the world around him, but he never moved there in his mind. He never began to live in that way. So what was it that was so real for Daniel himself? It was God himself. Daniel trusted God. He knew God and he knew he would not 
give up on the promise that he has given that Daniel could count on it as much as he counted on anything. Can I give you another contemporary example? You have this friend who is always spot on, über organized, always communicating, very clear, never miss anything. And she calls you from the airport where she's leaving and said, I will be there at this time right here at DFW and then I'll be on this plane and here's the number and if you come pick me up, one of your close friends. He says, sure, I'd love to. I can't wait to see you. So you come out there and she's not on the plane. And you wait and say, there must be something going on with luggage. I'm, I'm waiting No one is coming out. Finally, I waited an hour. I'm confused. I walk up to the information desk. And what can you tell me? Uh, I'm looking for this and that person. And you begin to scare. You you called. You called her number. Nobody's picking up. You you call friends of hers. You call your back at your home. Did she find another way to, to get to your place? You get just messed up, torn out. You know how that is, yes? You know people like that. Then you have another friend. He's kind of lazy, fair, whatever. You know, I'll be there Tuesday afternoon. I'm coming from whatever. And I'm landing there. I think the number is this on the plane. I may remember. But, I, you know, I'll be there. You can, you can look it up. I'm there. I'll be there. So you come up, pick them up, and they're not there. What happens? You drive home. You think, well, whatever. He's going to call when he lands. It's just how it is, yes? It's just how it works. So with Daniel, there was no doubt in his mind that he could absolutely trust the faithfulness of God. It was completely real for him. He could build his life on that. Just notice the way he speaks about him, right? In, in, in verse 4 that we just read, his focus is on God. Not on all the things that he did, but it was on God, right? Oh, Lord, the great and awe-inspiring God who keeps his covenant with those who love him. In verse 7, Lord, righteousness belongs to you. Verse 9 that we didn't read, compassion and forgiveness belongs to the Lord our God. We can go on and go on. Daniel's knowledge and awareness of God was clear. And it was part of the intensity in his prayer. I trust God. I come to God with that kind of prayer. So I have to ask you, friends, in your mind, in your heart, the way you think about God, is he like the first friend or like the second friend in the airport? Think about that. Give it a moment. When you read about God's promises, And you live your life and you make decisions and you think about how you pray. You're treating God like the second friend or like the first friend.
Let's take a step further down into this and see what's going on. What was it that motivated Daniel to that kind of intenseness of prayer that we see? Well, you go to verse 19, the last word we, verse we read earlier. Notice what it says right here. Lord, hear. Lord, forgive. Lord, listen and act. My God, for your own sake, do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. As Daniel sees it, it was part of God's reputation. God needed to work. God, you are known as someone that we can count on. We are known as someone who lives up to what you say that you will do. So what's going on with this right here? Daniel could not bear the thought that people around him would conclude about the one who had created heaven and earth. That they should consider him like nothing. That he was just like other people considered other gods. That even those who were the people of God, those who were called by his name, that they treated him as if he didn't make a real difference. Should we not take the Almighty serious? That's what's going on in Daniel's mind. So the question, of course, that comes to my mind, to my heart when I read things like that is, what is the experience of God that people see when they look at me? The God that is revealed through my commitment to Christ. How are we to understand this? I need to make something clear, right? Because someone will say, well... If God needs to be concerned about these things, is God worried about what people think about him? Not at all. Not even in the slightest. Can people make him greater or smaller simply by how they speak or what they do? No, not even close. God has no need for us. He does not need to carry or worry, as you say, about our response to him. But... Don't miss this. God cares. God remains engaged in his relationship with you and me. What Daniel is doing is he is appealing to God's loving care for people. Daniel's own love for God and for his love for his fellow human being is what fills his motivation and his passion for God's reputation. What Daniel is saying is, is actually this. He said, God, for the sake of all the people, I ask you to be aware of your reputation. Work in their hearts, O Lord, so that they, through their life, bear witness to your presence. And your power. That's what's going on. Right here. And that's the level at which. Our prayer. Should be. 
I'm not talking about our ability to formulate a beautifully crafted prayer. All that says, it says something about how good you are linguistics, how good you are in English, or whatever language you pray in. What we learn from Daniel is that the quality of the cry to God arise from your experience of who God is. There are plenty of Christians around this globe everywhere that remain superficial and powerless and just, they love that name, we're Christians. But that's about it. But what we learn in the school of prayer from Daniel is that we don't have to be part of that. Daniel was not. The quality of our prayers reveal to a great extent the growth in our spiritual life. It's not much different from the natural life, right? In the early stages of a person's walk with God, it is ourself. We focus on God, would you help me here? Would you do this for me? Would you do just like a child, we know that, right? Little child, when they want something. Yeah, I want it now, right? And as we grow, and as we begin to mature a little bit, you know, focus opens up also to see other people and, and their needs. And, and here's what happens with spiritual growth. And we truly move forward gradually toward maturity in the faith and in our walk with God. Our prayers will shift their focus. It's not just us, not just others, but God. It will be God-centered prayers. What is God's purpose? What is his will in my life? What is his kingdom purposes for this whole generation and this world? That's where we see it. And that's how Daniel, we're looking at this. The experience of the reality of God's actual being, who he is, created an intensive prayer in his heart. Let me end by a quote from 1 Samuel chapter 17. It's David standing before Goliath, a giant he could not conquer. And then he says, and listen to his trust in God. Goliath, you come against me with a sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of armies, the God of the ranks of Israel. You have defied him. Today the Lord will hand you over to me. Then all the world will know that Israel has a God, and his, this whole assembly will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's I'm looking for jaws that are dropping here friends are you gasping for air by wonder is it really possible to live in that kind of experience of the faithfulness and trustworthiness of God Is it possible? Clear answer from Scripture is yes, indeed. 
I'm not sure how to end this other than asking you to really spend some time right now. And Lord, I know who you are. I know who I am. And I know the tension between the two. May that create in me a prayer that runs so deep that it will truly be life transforming. Change the way I look at all things. Because bottom line is I will trust your word. I'm not going to turn my prayer into religious ceremony without being willing to actually pray in trust. Friends, I'm saying to you here, none of us stands righteous before God in this way. Some of you have been on camp. Bottom line, this is what you've been talking about. Some of you are here praying for those who have been on camp. I know you'll encourage them as they come back. But some of you are also in neighborhoods. You are workplaces. You're in clubs. Play golf, whatever. But people... You need to learn to trust God. We need to be a community of prayer, yes? Can we stand, friends, and ask God to not just let us hear yet another sermon? So much easier to talk about prayer than to actually get there, is it not? Father, I ask, pray for everyone here, myself included, Lord. Create in us that kind of heart that when we look at your word, it wraps itself around our minds. We say, that's the God we live with, or this is the God we trust. And our lives need to be adjusted to his will, that we may be his messengers, that we will see his work in our lives, his transforming power. Lord, we ask you for forgiveness when we have acted like you were our genie and just told you things or asked you things instead of standing next to Daniel. Will you do that work in us right now? We leave here, some go some places. Let's call one another. Let's pray. Let this become, O oh Lord. Community of prayer like we have never known it before. Our homes the same way. Friendship groups, prayer groups. Do it, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.